0: When we uh, were talking as an elders board about moving forward, we, we came on to the subject of what's, what are we going to preach for the next few months? What are we going to ask uh, ourselves to present and those that we have as visitors other than missionaries? So we, we went to prayer and God laid on our hearts that we preach and teach from the Gospel of John. There's, there's much to, uh, to say about this, but before we start, I want us to proclaim our love for Jesus, and I want to do that by just, um, there's a melody, and I just want, if you want to stand, you may, if you want to remain seated, that's fine, but I just, I felt as I prepared for this the last uh, week or so, that this is the way I wanted to start it out, so will you join me? You're going to learn from John that Jesus had a purpose. One of those purposes we just sang about. Jesus came to glorify the Father. And the Father, in turn, glorified Jesus. Because the Son glorified the Father, the Father glorified the Son and rose him from the dead. He brought him back. He reappeared. He was on earth. And now he resides in heaven and he's the Lamb of God, the only one worthy of opening the book of life. And my prayer is that all of our names are recorded in it. You know, Jesus is called in John 1, chapter 1, many things, the word, the only begotten Grace and truth, the Lord, Lamb of God, Rabbi, Master, Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, Son of Joseph, Son of Man. What a list. I want to start with an overview. Uh, This is in your bulletin, and uh, it gives us a, a foundational starting point for understanding John and and as part of the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, uh, John had a unique perspective. First of all, I want you to know that, and I didn't include this in my notes, but it occurred to me after I typed everything up and emailed it off, John wrote to the Greeks, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, wrote to the Jews, to the Hebrews, to the Israelites. But John wrote to the Greeks. John closes his book by revealing the purpose of writing Jesus' story. These are written that you may believe in Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of John in writing his gospel. He begins his book by echoing echoing the words of the Bible's creation story in the beginning, showing us as readers that this is a story of a new creation. Just as the first creation was completed in seven days, John uses the number seven to structure his book. For the Jews, the number seven represented completeness, wholeness, a finished work of God revealing his purpose for the world. I won't read the entire uh, expose for you. I hope you have a copy of it and you do read it because it's going to give you a a good understanding of where John was coming from. It's, It's thought that John... Not only was a witness, he was there the entire time that Jesus ministered with the other disciples, but John reflected years, decades, 50, 60 years after the events of Jesus' life on what Jesus' life was like and and what it was all about. Undoubtedly, although we don't know for sure, he knew the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And there's something about those Gospels that is very different than what John writes. Not that it's, it's all not true, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke are referred to as synoptic. I've got a, a slide that has some vocabulary words on it. When, I, when I'm reading and studying Uh, I've got to have a dictionary or uh, something next to me, Strong's Concordance. I I don't know these words sometimes, and it's important to understand uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke as the synoptic Gospels. They're connected as forming a general summary. Uh, They were descriptive and described the life of Jesus Uh, from three different points of view. You know, if I was over here, I've got that view. I'm over here, I've got that view. I'm over here, I've got that view. Now, they were all around and surrounded by their brothers, and Jesus constantly ministered to them. But, you know, we all had our individual thoughts. Y'all are going to walk away from here this morning having different thoughts about what you heard or, or what I present. But you're going to have a general understanding and descriptive, and it's all going to be, if we all got back together as a group, we'd come up with a, a similar story. John, on the other hand, he reflected. He reflected back on what Jesus had said and done. And it's really interesting that he um, emphasizes many times through his, um, his writing the inability of the apostles, the people that were the closest to him, to even understand what he was talking about. There's something really neat about speaking called the misunderstood question. And I want these are some things I want you to watch for as we go through John in the next few weeks and months. And the misunderstood question is a question like he asked Nicodemus. Or Nicodemus asked him. Or the lady at the well that didn't understand that water. Oh, by the way, I was going to bring a big jug. I just brought a medium-sized bottle. The um, difference between water and the living water, our Lord and Savior. How do you get born again? How do you get born again? How confusing is that to uh, somebody that, that can't grasp the concept of the soul, the spirit, coming alive through Jesus Christ's love? There's another interesting thing about John. He doesn't dwell on a lot of the same things that Matthew, Mark, and Luke focus on, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it confused me when I was a young person. Very much confused me. Because I thought, you know, here are four guys. They're just all going to tell the same thing. They're all going to go and testify. And, you know, nah. uh The wedding at Cana in John 2 isn't even mentioned in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. that's—it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means they didn't report it. When when you put all of these together, it's it's a it really helps complete an understanding of of our Lord. The book of John is filled with promises. So as you read, I'm just going to make this as a suggestion. Uh, Paul's not going to Paul Tanner is not going to preach on John the next couple weeks. But when we have a, a John 2 presented on uh, the 20th or the 30th of October. Um, Read ahead that week. Just read John 2. Read it once or twice. Read it through like a story. Uh, Read it through. Pray about parts of it. But begin to write down in your book, your journal, or even in your Bible. I've done it in mine. I put a P and circle it next to a promise that Jesus makes. Remember all those names that I, I read off? He's all of those things and more. And the fact is, his promises are so important. They're important to me. They're important to us. We must have them to stand on. My goodness, In these troubled times when hurricanes and storms can come and wipe out thousands of miles of coastline and and flood people out of their homes and and evil abounds in our shopping centers and and in our streets, how, how can we live? How can we be alive? How can we live if we can't stand on the promises of God? That's that great old song, Standing on the Promises, Standing on the Promises of God, my Savior, you have to know that these promises are there and in your times of need, predicament, trouble, or even praise and celebration. Crack John open, find the P, read it, and again, you'll be encouraged, you'll be refreshed, you'll be revigored, your spirit will get filled Okay, let's get to John 1. Better get my glasses on here. This is pretty small print. That's better. Okay, we read this earlier this morning. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. That has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light. Of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome light. You don't see the sun rising. And darkness. Holding it out. Holding it back. The sun sets. Leaves. Darkness comes back over the earth think of it as a room you walk in there with one little candle one light and where does the darkness go it doesn't exist any longer it's it's fled it's gone there was a man sent from God whose name was John and we're not talking about John all of a sudden here that wrote the gospel we're talking about a different John as we read along He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness of the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own and his own didn't receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of a natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. That's, that's profound. That... That happened. The Word was made flesh. The Word, Jesus, was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came with the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him, crying out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me out of his fullness he ha- we have all received grace in place of grace already given for the law was given through moses grace and truth came through jesus christ no one has ever seen god but the one and only son who is himself god and is the clo- in the closest relationship with the father was made him known, has made him known. Now, this was John's testimony. When the Jew, Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I'm not the Messiah. They asked him, Who are you? Are you Elijah? I am not. Are you a prophet? No. Finally, they said, "'Who are you? Give us an answer so we can take it back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself?' John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, "'I am the voice of the one in the wilderness, calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord.' Now the Pharisees that had been sent questioned him, "'Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, "'even Elijah nor prophet?' I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me and straps on whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. All this happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Okay, you've got the the Jewish leadership in in Jerusalem, There hearing about this fella out in the on the river Jordan uh, this is north of Jerusalem um, it's up near uh, where it could have been near where the Jordan enters the Dead Sea but it was out basically in the wilderness and, and yet there were settlements there Galilee there were many many uh, cities uh, villages but He was causing a commotion because things were happening and they wanted to know, who are you? What what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Right after this happened, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one I meant but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. Now, who do you, that was God. It had to be God or the Holy Spirit speaking to him. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will, be, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. That was John the Baptist's testimony. This is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again and two of his disciples. When they saw Jesus passing by, John said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Whoop. John just lost a couple of his followers. He didn't get angry or anything. He just... Okay, guys, there's the Lamb of God. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? Where where are you staying? You staying over on Elm Street? You staying down on Edgewater? You staying over on... So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said and who followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. This is the Christ. He, and he brought him to Jesus. Now Jesus looked at Simon and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be Sepius, which is translated into Peter. Cephas is the Greek word for Peter, and both Sepius and Peter mean in translation the rock. So this, this is the beginning of the band of disciples being formed. We had the word. We had the witness and the testimony and the baptism of John the Baptist, and now Jesus begins to uh, gather his followers. The next day, Jesus took them to to leave from Galilee, finding Philip, said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, were born in Bethsaida, And Peter found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one who Moses wrote about in the law, the one who the prophets also wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? When I've read this so many times, I have thought to myself, Salem, can anything good come from there? Or America, can anything good come from there? It's, it's pretty amazing, but Nathaniel, uh, he just how could that be? Nothing ever has come good from there. And Philip encourages him. Philip encourages him and says, "Come and see." And when he saw Jesus, and when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said, "Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit." How funny is that, Nathaniel is saying, "Can anything come good from a guy that comes out of Nazareth, and Jesus turns right around, having never met him, and as he approaches, said, "Here is an Israelite that has no deceit. Now is that to mean that most Israelites did have deceit? perhaps, but in Nathaniel, there was no deceit, and this This confounded Nathaniel. He declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Wow, that all could have happened in a couple of sentences, in less than a minute maybe. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, and you will see greater things than that. And then he added, verily, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So, he's got Andrew, Philip, Nathaniel, and Peter. So, the band is forming. They all immediately or almost immediately knew that Jesus was Lord and that they ought to be following him. It's pretty hard to put your mind around this sometimes. In the beginning was the Word capital o r d and the word was with god and everything that has that was made or that is being made how must that confound the evolutionists i mean can things change well certainly they do and we sometimes we help them change by our scientific abilities and so forth but the fact is, you had the word, and the Greeks thought of it as the logos, which is a difficult concept, but it's, it's an expression that it's the controlling principle of the universe. And if you think of it in that concept, that's what Jesus is, the divine wisdom manifest in creation identified as Jesus Christ. There was another word I came across, and it's incarnate. The deity or spirit embodied or represented in human form, the physical form. I don't remember myself ever being in a non-physical form. I must have been. I know I have a soul. I know I have, but my spirit is, is... is within me and it and it is in I'm infilled with the holy spirit and I'm constantly replenished by the holy spirit but Jesus that had been the manifest wisdom that created the universe became human form and I think it confounds the non-believer. I, I think the world has a hard time getting their, uh, their brain or their thoughts about it. Part of it is got to have faith. You have to have faith. I have some takeaways from John 1. What's the first one? Number one. Okay. John demands, as you, as you read the entire book, that we, as readers, make a positive response in faith in Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, which results in life in his name. Now here's your challenge. Have you made that positive faith response? Now I'm looking at y'all and I have every reason to believe that every person in this room and back there and up there that we've all made that positive response. We've become believers and followers and lovers of Jesus Christ. But I want to ask you, is that all we're supposed to do? Is that the only reason we're here? I don't think so. So, during this coming week and these coming days and, and uh, months, God is going to lay somebody on your heart. It's going to be a family member. It's going to be a close friend, it's going to be an associate at work, it's going to be a neighbor, it's going to be somebody that you meet at the at the mall or walking downtown or at the grocery store that you haven't seen in a long time. And remember, you're the light. You know, it's really remarkable how beautiful you people are because you have the light. Believe it, you do. And people will recognize there's something different about you. They haven't seen you maybe for a few days or even a few months or years. But they'll go, Pat, what makes you so wonderful and graceful and beautiful? You know, it, thank you for the compliment. But bring it up. Bring it out. Speak it out only the love of God within me. And if you have the opportunity, plant the seed or harvest. Just, you just got to do it. If there isn't anyone, if there's somebody here that hasn't made that positive response, please come see me after church because I want to talk to you. There's no reason on earth why you should walk out of here today and not have made a positive response in your life to follow Jesus. Number two. God reveals the humanity and mission. John reveals the humanity and mission of Jesus. First, he's the Lamb of God. That's in John one twenty nine. Jesus procured He bought the redemption of mankind. Through Jesus' life, he revealed the Father and glorified God the Father. And God in return brings glory to his Son in the post-resurrection exaltation. Wow. Learn this. Know it. Share it. number 3 John in his gospel is very unique in designating the holy spirit as the comforter and the helper John 14:16 literally one called alongside alongside comforter helper The purpose of the Holy Spirit is a role that is meant to encompass every facet of of life, not merely in your predicaments. Believe me, when I get in predicaments, you'll find me on my knees, probably crying and begging mercy, grace, help, all of that and more. And at the same time, every moment that I'm alive, the Holy Spirit is there Encompassing me. Our society is beset by evil. Humankind is beset by evil. How do we overcome that? If it's part of God's plan, let Him use you. Let Him use you. Surrender. Some of the songs we sang today, I had no idea what Peter was going to have as the songs, but they're all purposefully perfect for uh, this message. Let the Holy Spirit encompass every facet of your life. Believe me, I'm paranoid. I I, I profile people. I went to the supermarket this morning to get some cookies and... uh, there was an unsavory-looking person walking right close to me, almost alongside me, into the supermarket. And I had my antenna up, you know. I'm going, hmm, hmm. Where's this guy going? Is he going to ask me for something? Is he... The fact is, I just turned around. I asked him, I said do you need a cup of coffee this morning? He goes, no. I said, okay. I went over to Starbucks and got mine. But, you know, hold the door open for somebody. Thank them for being nice to you. Thank the clerk that helps you. Uh, Thank the guy that pumps your gas. Tell him he's a blessing. You can't do it by law here in the state, but the fact is, Every one of these people are suffering as a human being the same way you are through all of their life's challenges. They're not different than us. Their blood, when it's exposed to oxygen, turns red. They cry real tears. They uh, They can laugh. They can be filled with joy or they can be filled with sorrow. It doesn't matter if they're brown, yellow, black, white, whatever. They're all like us. Except... Most of them don't have Jesus Christ, and they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So how are they supposed to know there's anything different in the world than just, uh, uh? And you might be the only thing that encourages them or does something nice for them during the day. In the world outside of Christ, the Holy Spirit works as an agent who convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment let me ask you, how is your walk with God? How is your walk with God? How is your walk with the Holy Spirit? Is he alongside you? Is he within you? Do you constantly ask to be filled? When Jesus walked through the crowd and a, and a person just merely reached out and touched his garment, he knew that something had touched him and that something had taken some of his spirit from him. So, do you think you're any different? He was a human being in physical form. He was perfect. He was flawless. The point is, I get emptied out. Boy, when I have a struggle with a client or somebody that I'm working with, and they just take me like cheese over a grater... And make a mess out of me, even during the, the occurrence, I'll start praying. Lord, give me the words to say, give me the right attitude, help me. What am I supposed to do? Sometimes I just have to be silent. Sometimes I'm, I'm given an opportunity to speak out. Am I ever gonna change their mind? Mm, maybe. Am I ever gonna be able to plant a seed? Because, you know, there isn't a phone call that I have at work that I don't end the conversation with, have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. (laughs) Well, maybe some people don't know what that means. But the fact is, if you never said it, it's never going to happen to them. And if you do say it, they may have... A change of mind, a change of heart, a change of attitude. So you, you can be great influences. And the last thing, is the Holy Spirit abiding in you, with you? Many years ago, I, I ha- was in a men's group, and I was given the responsibility of um, doing a presentation on abiding with Christ. I didn't know what that meant. How can I take Jesus, the physical form, and, well, he could move in. Do we have any spare rooms, honey, that he he could move in? (laughs) Abide. Live with. Be with. So, constantly invite the Holy Spirit to abide with you i think that's very very important that we we constantly remind ourselves to be filled and to and to ask god through his son to abide with us